0: We're turning in our Bibles, please, this evening to the book of Amos, the book of Amos. Now, if you're struggling, don't you be ashamed to look at the front of your Bible to see where Amos is in a list of books. But Amos is where we're going in the Minor Prophets. and chapter 4, I would like to speak to you in the text, which we'll find in our reading this evening, Prepare to meet thy God, prepare to meet God thy God. But we're going to take time and we're going to read the chapter. We're going to see the context of where this is said. And we're going to take up this title, Prepare to Meet Thy God. This is the word of the Lord, Amos chapter 4 in the verse 1. Hear this word, Ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. The Lord God hath sworn by his holiness that, lo, the day shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks and ye shall go out at the breaches every cow at that which is before her and ye shall cast them into the palace saith the lord come to bethel and transgress at Gilgal, multiply transgression, and bring your sacrifices every morning, and your tithes after three years, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish the free offerings, for this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord. See those verses where we read there and Verse 4 and verse 5, Come to Bethel and transgress, and Gilgal, multiply transgression, bring your sacrifices every morning. See, these were people in the Old Testament, the sacrifices would have been a sign of worship to God. But these people, they were doing all that they were meant to do. To put it on our context, they were coming, they were supporting the meetings, they were appearing to be praying, they were appearing to look the part, but I want to tell you they were far from it. And God knew their heart. And God saw through them. And that's why he says, come and transgress. It's like God saying to you, come and transgress. You put your collection in. You you say your prayers. You, you attend all the meetings. You do well to do that. You look the part, but you come and transgress because I see your heart. God sees your heart, tonight. not he? He knows where you stand before him. Verse 6. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want of bread in all your places, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you, when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece where upon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The palmerworm devoured them, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses and I have made the stink of your camps to come up onto your nostrils. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning yet have ye not returned unto me saith the Lord therefore thus will I do unto thee O Israel and because I do this unto thee prepare to meet thy God O Israel for lo. He that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Prepare to meet thy God. That is our text. That is our title this evening. I'm sure many of you will be familiar with the name Benjamin Benjamin Franklin. He once said, by feeling to prepare, you're preparing to feel. There's no doubt about it. Preparation is key for any task we perform in life. Preparation is vital. There's no point in going into a school exam having not spent time at the desk studying. And boys and girls, if your mums and dads are nudging you in the minute, I'm sorry. But you have to prepare for a school exam you feel to prepare for the exam, you must prepare to field the exam. There's no point in heading to an interview and not preparing for the questions that you'll face, otherwise the potential employers will see your lack of interest and they'll give the job to somebody else. You need to prepare. If you feel to prepare for the interview, you must prepare to field the interview. There's no point in an athlete turning up to an event Having spend no time training or preparing, if if you feel to train and prepare, you must prepare to feel against the people you're com- competing with. And this truth is is the same in every level and life's key moments. Preparation is important. Preparation is vital. I wonder why it is in many things in life that we take time to prepare. We prepare for exams, we prepare for jobs, we prepare for marriage, we prepare for children, we prepare for retirement, we prepare even our funeral plans. But when it comes to death and where we will spend eternity, quite often people don't prepare at all. Yet according to the Bible, that's the most important thing to prepare for. We need to prepare to meet. God. And as we turn to God's word this evening, we find this extremely important word. It's the word prepare. What does it tell us? What have we to prepare for? Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God. Prepare, dear friend. God is talking to you. This is his word to you. Prepare to meet your God. This was the warning message that the prophet Amos gave to the people of his day and it's the same message that needs to be proclaimed today every man every woman every boy every girl that walks on the face of this planet needs to hear and heed to this message prepare to meet thy god There's a meeting with God that is appointed for you. It's coming someday and it's a meeting you need to prepare for. The Bible tells us that when this light ends, each of us will face the God of this universe, the one who created all things and we have to prepare for this meeting with him. These are words that should alarm and challenge every one of us. As we take some time to consider this statement here in God's word, there are a number of things that we can take note of and apply to ourselves here today. The first thing I want you to see is the wayward people. The wayward people. Of course, these words, prepare to meet thy God, were proclaimed by the prophet Amos to the people of Israel. And the address was to 10 of the 12 tribes that made up God's people in that day. These people had largely abandoned their loyalty to God. They had turned their back on God and they wanted nothing to do with him. They had set up their own temples that followed, invented gods and man-made ideas that they were rebels against the true God. And they had rejected all the blessings and all the privileges that they had been given by the Lord. And Amos, he is sent as God's messenger that, and that's what a prophet is. A prophet isn't isn't a special man with power to tell the future the way some would seek to say today. A prophet is literally God's messenger. It's a man whom God gave a message to to share with the people. There was no Bible in those days so God used men to speak his word to the nations. We now have the Bible which is God's word, and it tells us how we ought to live, and it tells us how we can prepare to meet God. But what do we learn about this wayward people in these verses? What do I mean when I describe them as wayward, strange way, strange word to use? Well, let's explore what Amos says about them in the first verse of the chapter. He says this, hear this word, I want to pause there, hear this word. Amos calls the people to listen. He calls the people to listen to God's word. When God speaks to anyone, they ought to listen. In fact, from chapter 3 through to chapter 6 of the book of Amos, we read three messages that Amos delivers to the people, and we hear him say each time, you need to hear this word. Hear this word, hear this word, hear this word. He wants the people to hear the word of God. And the challenge for the people of Israel in Amos' day and the challenge for us here today in the greens tonight is are we going to listen to God's word? As Amos cries out to the people in his day, hear the word of God, the challenge comes to you tonight that you need to listen to the word of God. I want to tell you something. It might be me most Sunday night standing here proclaiming the message, but praise God it's not mine. It's God's message to you. And I just seek to be a faithful messenger of his word and to tell you what this book says. This is God's word to your heart tonight. Forget about me. God's speaking to you tonight. And it's God who says, hear this word. I wonder, are you listening? You see, all might appear well in this universe. But the great issue is, how does God see this world? God tells us in his word, you need to hear his word. You might think that everything around you in your life is fine. You have no need of God. But I want you to hear what God has to say about your life tonight. Amos's name means burdened. He was burdened because he didn't accept the popular opinion on the status quo of the conditions that prevailed in his day economically politically religiously but his ear was towards god and because of that he was troubled with the very burden of god and tonight god's message to you is hear this word god speaks through his word and he says to you hear this word are you listening Turn your ear towards heaven tonight, just for a few moments. That's all I'm asking. Listen to God as he speaks through his word. Stop listening to the lies of this world, the lies that Satan seeks to tell you, the lies that you read in social media, and listen to the Lord just for these moments. Verse 1, hear this word, ye kind of passion that are in the mountains of Samaria. Amos, he was a herdsman, he was a farmer. We know a bit about that in the Greens. He uses the imagery of his vocation. He speaks about a farmer and he likens the people of Israel who were living in luxury and immorality to the kind of Bashan. The kind of Bashan were a breed of cattle who were notorious for their strength. And their stubbornness. But not only that. These cattle were feeding in the mountains of Samaria. Some of the most fertile ground in the area. Feeding on the best. So they were the healthiest cattle. They were, they were the strongest they could be. And these cows. They had no care for other cattle they ate in luxury and they were strong and they were stubborn and they would break through hedges with brute force they would throw down fences, they would trespass on the neighbouring pastures and they would gore lesser cattle and they did what they wanted that's what these cows were like and Amos says to the people of Israel you're the kind of bashan you're kind of Bashan. he literally describes them if you excuse me, saying this as selfish cows. That's what you're like, he says. You've turned from God. You're living how you please. You've turned to the things that you want and you find pleasure in, but it's only going to last for a while, says Amos. Because there's a meeting with God coming up and you need to prepare for it. They turn to other gods. They'd built their new temples to worship these gods. They were far from the true and living God. And he comes with this message of burden from God. And he's concerned for these people and their souls. And his intentions aren't to offend them. But in love to seek to win them back. That they will serve their God. That they will be saved. That they will be ready for this meeting with God. And for the people to consider their ways. And to prepare to meet God your unsafe friend in the meeting tonight listen to me I feel the same burden that Amos had for those people I feel the same burden for your soul and I know there are many sitting around you who have that burden as well and tonight as I speak to you I plead with the Lord for your soul before I come out onto this pulpit and I plead with, with, with the Lord for your soul throughout the week because I don't want you to go unprepared to this meeting with God. And the truth is that you and I, in our sinful state, were not orientated to live for God. In fact, the Bible likens us to sheep. The Bible tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all gone our own way. And in our search for happiness and fulfillment in this life, we maybe make excuses, but we question the message of the Bible. We ask so many questions and we're not willing to read it and accept it by faith. Or maybe we're just happy with the things that we have. We're happy with our job and we're looking to job success to keep us happy. Uh, We're looking to different things to take the worries of this world away. Uh, Going out with friends, spending time, having good friends, playing sport, watching sport, looking for sporting success, looking for maybe it could even be in looks, the way you look, you could enjoy fashion, going out shopping, all these things that people look to to make them feel happier. But none of those things, you know it. You need to be honest with your heart tonight. None of those things really make you permanently happy, do they? They only last for a wee while. It's good at the time. Then it leaves you wanting more and you're back at it again. You're never happy. And these things, they lead you away from God. They don't prepare you for the meeting that you're going to have with God one day. Like the people in this passage, we become wayward. Do you know what these people were looking for? They were looking for luxury. They were living for the fine things in this world. They had no thought of God. But there was a day coming and they would be humbled because they were going to stand before their God. And dear friends, there are warnings that God gave. I want you to see the warnings that God gave. You know, I've told this illustration before a couple of times actually, but... I make no apologies for using it again because I think it hits home the importance of the warnings that God gives. It was a camp uh, uh, that went to a place called Convict Lake, and uh, they brought there were two counsellors and they brought a big crowd of teens to this lake. And they had a crowd of boys. Some of the boys stayed with their counsellor in the shore. Other eight boys went eight feet out onto the ice on this lake and laughing and clowning around while. Their counsellor was snapping pictures and at first nobody noticed that there were five boys who headed out into the middle of the lake. And then the first warning came for these five boys. Their counsellor spotted them and he warned them and he said, get back here, it's dangerous out there. The first warning was ignored. Far out in the frozen lake, the second warning began to appear. The boys heard a loud crack beneath them and looked down to see the ice was fracturing under their feet. This is a true story, by the way. One of the boys said, we shouldn't be doing this. One boy exclaimed, and he wisely started back towards the shore. He noticed the warnings, and he turned back for safety. Another boy says, I don't care if I die. He retorted to the boy, who turned back. He smashed the ice with his hiking boots. Within seconds, the ice beneath the four boys gave way they plunged into the freezing water, hypothermia set in very quickly, that day that freezing lake claimed those four boys lives, but not only theirs, but their counsellor who tried to run out to save them, and also two of the rescue team. The warning signs were there, the counsellor's warning, the cracking of the ice, the one boy who turned back when he heard the ice was cracking, he survived. He prepared for the inevitable and when it comes to the Bible And what we find in God's word, we find similar warnings all the time. Our eternal destiny, where we will go after we die, is determined by whether we heed these warnings or ignore them. Rescuers may want to save us, but if we don't respond, it could be too late. There are as many a preacher who will have stood and pleaded with you, pleaded that you would give your soul to Christ, has been faithful to the Bible, who has told you what the Bible says about the state of your soul and we could describe them a little bit like the rescuers that are found in this little illustration. Preachers who want to see you saved, who want to see Christ save your soul and have told you about him and the warning signs could have been presented to you time and time and time again and you've ignored them. Here in God's word tonight the warning comes in five words. Prepare to meet by God. And in the book of Amos, the faithful prophet traveled to call the people to repent, to turn from their wicked ways and to return to the Lord. Why? Because we're all going to appear before that judgment in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all going to be judged. Even in this chapter alone, God had given the people many warnings and opportunities to turn back to them. In these days in our passage God had allowed famine and God had allowed drought and he had sent pests and he had smitten their fields and gardens with blast and mildew and he had allowed some of them to die from disease but saved some but they still lived in rebellion and didn't turn to God and did you see that wee line that kept on coming up from verse 6 onwards did you see it at the end each time it says this yet have ye not returned unto me there is the first warning in verse 6 and yet they did not return unto the Lord verse 8 there was another warning came And the Lord had given drink in one of the cities. The people weren't satisfied. They didn't turn to the Lord. They didn't plead to the Lord. The Lord was punishing them for the way they were living. And they didn't see it. Instead it says here at the end of verse 8 again. Yet ye have not returned unto me. At the end of verse 9. The Lord had smitten them with blasting and mildew. And he had ruined their vineyards and fig trees. Why? Because of their sin. And the Lord was trying to show them that they had a need of him yet they didn't return unto the Lord, end of verse 9 yet ye have not returned unto me saith the Lord end of verse 10, again it says yet ye have not returned unto me, verse 11 yet ye have not returned unto me can you see the warning after warning after warning that the Lord gave and even after every warning the Lord said yet ye have not returned unto me what about you How many times, how many times do you need warning? How many times does the Lord need to speak to you? How many times has even the Spirit of God convicted you? And maybe you've shed a tear over your soul and yet you still haven't come to Christ. Still haven't repented of your sin. (coughs) How many times must God warn you? God in his grace and mercy has allowed you to hear the gospel this evening another time. It's good news that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. Took the punishment for your sin. He can make your life worth living. God may even have sent things of the way he did in this passage to draw your attention to him and to what comes after this life. It could have been a serious illness or the loss of a close relative. Or a few years ago, a global pandemic. It could even be the blessings that he's provided you with. Your family, your home, your job. But I wonder, does God say to you tonight, yet you have not returned to me? All oh, the warnings that God gave these people. What would you do if you saw a blind man walking towards the edge of a cliff? He can't see it because he's blind. And you know if he keeps walking, he's going to die. What would you do? Would you just keep silent? Or would you shout out and mourn him? Stop! Turn around! If you continue in this path, you'll die! What would you do? The truth is that today you might even be that blind person walking towards the edge of the cliff. But it's not a cliff. It's something far worse. It's a meeting with God that you aren't prepared for. So let me ask this question. If you you were to die today, are you ready to meet God? Almighty God, the creator of the universe, the righteous judge. Are you ready to meet him? James 4.14 tells us, no man knows what a day may bring forth. I am going to die. And you are going to die. All of us are going to die. This is the reality. And you can't run away from death. And you can't run away from truth. Because the truth never changes. And if we don't die, the Bible promises that one day the Lord Jesus will return. For those who have a relationship with him, who are his own. And the Bible says we ought to get ready for that day. We ought to prepare But you must be ready. Don't fail to prepare. There's no exception. Those who are unprepared will meet with God just as certainly as those who are prepared will meet with God. The scriptures are clear that an interview with God is inevitable. God doesn't want you to go unprepared. He sent his prophets. Later he sent his son and then the apostles and now this book before us to tell people of their need to prepare... He's provided conclusive proof that this judgment meeting will come. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. And the times of this ignorance, ignorance of God, he has ignored, he's winked at. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day. There's a day appointed in the which the Lord will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. That's the Lord Jesus, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. These are not my words, dear friends. These are the words of God. The times of this ignorance, the time of ignoring God is almost over. This rejection of God will come to an end and He now calls people to turn and repent because there's a day coming when His patience will run out. God has given us warnings here in his word. He has told us if we ignore the Bible message, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But if you prepare, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have this moment. You have this life to prepare. But how do you prepare? Well, we've seen the wayward people, we've seen the warnings God gave, but I want you to finally see the way back to God. The way back to God. The first thing we must do in order to be forgiven is acknowledge that we've offended a holy God. We're like prisoners who are waiting for our court date. And the news has come that the judge is ready. And we, the prisoners, are to prepare to meet this judge. How do we prepare? Well, if anyone can plead not guilty, your preparation is made. If anyone can say, I'm not a sinner, I've lived well, well, your preparation is made. But no one can say that. There's not one among us who dares even think that we've all sinned. What preparation then can we make? Suppose we were to sit down and think about our case before the judge. We've all gone astray willfully, we've all we've all done wicked things that are sinful and against the Lord God. And I'll tell you this even if you say today, Oh, I'm not going to do any of this again, you'll do it again. Because we're sinners by nature. So it's no use for us to set up any kind of defence that's grounded upon ourselves. There's no point in standing by yourself. How then can you be prepared to meet God? Listen, there's an advocate and it's written in God's word, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and we must trust in him and in this court we must send for Jesus, the Son of God, to be our intercessor and our advocate. Will he undertake our cause? Oh, he, oh that he would plead our cause of our souls and be our day's man to speak with God on our behalf yes he will accept that office he'll be our advocate because he has said he who comes to me i will in no wise cast out so we can come to christ and he will stand for us on this day that we will stand before god and the lord jesus will undertake our case but he'll only undertake your case if you repent of your sin and come to him and i pray to the lord that you will As you sit here in the pew, or maybe online as you sit at home, you must realize that the Lord Jesus Christ has made all the preparations that you need for this day. He has died for your sin. Your sin has been paid for in full already. And he has taken the punishment. And now he says, come, for all things are now ready. I've done everything that needs to be done for this day that you will stand in judgment. He bids us prepare to meet our God by at once taking up our true position as sinners. Pleading as guilty. Making a full confession of our sin. Going and placing our trust in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. His word says if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what? Do you know what the Bible says happens when you admit that you're a sinner and you place your trust in the Lord Jesus? He frees us completely from our sin. Do you know what it says? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Prepare to meet thy God. Comes the warning from God's word tonight. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. We're going to sing together our closing hymn. O sinner, the Saviour is calling for thee. Long, long has he called thee in vain. He called thee when joy lent its crown to thy days he called thee in sorrow and pain the little refrain says this so turn while the saviour in mercy is waiting and steer for the harbour light for how do you know but your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight now I want to tell you something and please listen well to what I say that little chorus at the minute it says turn while the saviour In mercy is calling. Today he stands as your saviour. If you pass out into eternity. Unprepared. He'll no longer stand as your saviour. He'll stand as your judge. And unprepared he'll have no choice. As a just God. But to put you into a lost eternity in hell. Friends, I'm available to you tonight if you need to talk. Maybe you've came with someone, a Christian friend. Uh, Why not speak to them if the Lord's been speaking to you? But you don't need to speak to anyone. You need to speak to the Lord. You need to repent of your sin. You need to trust in the finished work of Calvary. He died for your sin. He has taken the punishment already so that you don't have to face that lost eternity. You can prepare this moment. To meet your God, because it's sure, it's sure you will meet God. But I plead with you, prepare for the meeting, Father. We feel the weight, the seriousness of this warning from Scripture tonight. And we realise that the days of this ignorance will come to an end. For, Father, we have sang that one day your patience will end. And yet, Father, you've been so patient and gracious with us today. You've placed us in a country where the gospel is faithfully proclaimed up and down our land where your word is free to be proclaimed. Mm -hmm. And yet for some in this gathering tonight, that we line from our passage tonight, yet ye have not returned unto me, Mm -hmm. saith the Lord, can be applied to their lives. Father, we pray that for your glory, that will change tonight. that some poor sinner friend will by the name repent of sin trust in Christ as their saviour hear our prayer O God we pray that the spirit of God would work on we pray even in these moments following the meeting that the seriousness of what has been said and read will be